Hello, everybody, and good evening. Yes, it's dark outside. If you are watching from the States and you're wondering why it's dark outside, even though it's light outside your windows, because I'm in the UK. So welcome all my friends watching from anywhere around the world, including America. Um, this is another special episode of the Dan Assel Show as we go live again. It is Thursday. It is evening, 7 o'clock in the UK. It's 11 a.m. in Pacific Standard Time, and it's 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So thank you for everyone watching live on LinkedIn or YouTube and also watching on demand and also listening on demand. Please go to danassaw.com for all of my shows. I'd like to thank the show sponsor, TF Connect, uh, which is the industry's global events talent partner, and also my community patrons. So they are SISO, the Society of Independent Show Organizers, Tarsus Group, uh, 19 Group and Smart Digital. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce my special guest. He's very busy, so we've only got 20, 25 minutes today. Um, he's an event industry expert with a focus on event tech, hybrid virtual on-site events. He's the VP of Marketing Strategy of Events at Hopin. And I'm going to introduce Julius Solaris. How are you, Julius? Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us from Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. From Las Vegas, Nevada. So that is the power, right, of virtual events. And we're on actually the StreamYard hopping on uh, platform, yep. which is not by design. I just happen to use it for all of my shows. That's even um, better. Yeah, absolutely. So welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. So We've labeled this the future of events and trade shows, which is a massive catch-all. So we're only going to probably get a slice of that today. Um, but I wanted to leave with a grand title. Um, so, Julius, before we get into sort of like the nitty-gritty of, of sort of virtual and the return to, to trade shows, you've always been um, a proponent and an exponent and a big fan and a pusher and a lover of virtual events even before we all discovered them <laughs> over the last 18 to 24 months. How exciting has, has it just been for you personally to see the evolution and the uptake in virtual? Um, listen, it's been, it's been um, a crazy uh, 20 months. Um, painful for a lot of reasons, but exciting for other reasons. I guess the, the crash course that... Um, a lot of planners and people that work with events had, um, you know, it's 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 one that is going to stay. Okay, that's sure. that's where I want to start. I feel that all the time that planners spent on learning technology, um, it's going to pay off later on because you know this is not going to go away. I mean, I feel yeah. it's it's important that we realize that. No, absolutely. And you obviously, and you've spoken about this a lot before. I mean, you you were you're an editor, I guess, at heart. Um, and lots of people, and you can see it from like job promotion, you know, people moving from physical to virtual in terms of careers. Do you think that that trend's going to continue in terms of the talent shift, maybe from more traditional uh, sectors into virtual? I I feel that there's there's a there's a movement when it gets marketing teams to embrace communities and embrace content, and a lot of people that I used to work with now are part of marketing teams within event technology companies that don't know where to go and find these uh, talents to talk to the community in the right way. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of people that are joining these companies from completely different backgrounds. And I can tell that, you know, there's a struggle to immediately grasp the multitude and segmentation and fragmentation of our industry. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I guess there's also a skills gap that the industry needs to needs to address through training and um, you know, ongoing onboarding of the of the new talent. I want to talk about um obviously virtual. So we've all attended, you know, there was a massive rush to it. I was from the trade from a trade show background, and I remember us sort of scrabbling around and what platform we should we use and and this, that, and the other. And we've all been sort of saturated with virtual events. Um and I guess burnout is a word that you've used and lots of people um, use in terms of maybe recently, you know, getting people to attend these events. Um, in your opinion, now and I guess in the future, how can we prevent against, I guess, reduced or lower engagement of virtual specifically? Yeah, oh, that's a great, that's a loaded question, right? Uh, because we're all exposed to to screen time quite a lot. Right, and that that um, it's it's a big deal. It's a big problem with when it gets to virtual because we perceive a lot of the virtual events technology to be similar to an office meeting type of event. And this is the first big decider here. Like if you're doing your events using office technology, um, that's that's the first problem, right? Because in most cases, these are not platforms built for engagement. They're not built for large audiences, they're built for like a meeting of sure. 10 people maybe. So um, that's the first obstacle that I see that immediately, like as soon as you transition from a platform that you use in the office for a big event, immediately there's a disconnect because I have the perception that I'm still in an uh, in sort of office environment. It's like running your in-person event in an office, right? Yeah. Uh, that's why we don't choose offices in most cases unless yeah. it's uh, uh, but even for internal meetings, like we tend to choose different venues for that sure. specific reason. So that's one that I would think about. Then there's a million things that we can talk about in terms of engagement. Yeah. Right? What about things like, because um, you know, I've read quite a few of your articles and there's always new things coming on board or things that were done before that are now um, people are picking up on, like, for example, live drawing you know, within the virtual environment. I know you were at an event the other week that you mentioned that. What are the sort of those sort of new um, mechanics that people can employ and do well to sort of keep people engaged when they're actually at the mm. event? So there's three elements that I'm pinpointing for engagement in virtual events. One, it's the atmosphere. One is the creativity. And the last one is the pace. So these are the three elements I'm, I'm thinking about when it's when a lot of people ask me, like, how can we make them better? atmosphere make think about us as human beings right so think about all the activations yoga meditation djs live drawing cocktail making sessions you name it like there's a million type of activations that you can do um to make things to spice up things and not do not think that content is why we show up because yeah. yeah i mean it is important but there's there's a website called youtube where i can go and watch a video <laughs> i don't need to be at your yeah. event yeah. Yeah. You make a good point. And I think, you know, again, coming from the trade show industry, when the pandemic hit and we were like, right, what should we do on virtual? Lots of people were saying, well, it's just a content delivery mechanic. It's not something that you can, you know, people are going to interact with. And I think we've moved on dramatically over the last 18 months. And you can have serendipity, right, at a virtual event. You know, again, we're going to come on trade shows in a minute, but there was always this sort of, well, you know, it's not going to work because people can't do business online and they're not going to be able to interact or they have breakout rooms, forget the software, but people aren't going to go into it. How can we replicate, not exactly, but in a different way and in a unique way online, that serendipitous experience? 
So I feel that we need to go outside of our comfort zone to feel serendipity. Serendipity doesn't happen in 100% planned structures. It happens yeah. outside of those. Um, and I believe that one of the features that made Hopin very popular at the beginning, um, it's, it's one that really replicates that serendipitous type of encounter. We have a networking shuffle module on the platform where you click and get you get matched to a random attendee and you have three minutes to spend to talk together okay. and extend it if you like it. But to me, like for example, I attended one of our StreamYard event um, yeah. a, week, a few weeks ago, quarterly event that we do for our user base. And I spent like an hour talking to random creators and meeting people. And it was amazing, right? The value of that is just incredible. Yeah. And we spoke about talent before. Do you think it's a different type of skill to create experience and great engagement um, in a virtual environment than to do it sort of offline? No, uh, I don't think so. I feel that um, true, truly creative event planners, you have like incredible opportunities to be even more creating and experimental in virtual because, you know, you can get it wrong, right? You get a pass. Like you don't get a pass in in-person events, right? If your food food kind of stinks, like that's it. You're gonna be on social media. People are gonna pick on you. In virtual sure. events, you still have that room to make mistakes, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I should say, people that are listening, if you have a comment or a question uh, for anything for Julius, then please put it up, and I'll put it up on the screen. Um, you also suggest that physical and virtual don't need to happen at the same time for an event to be defined as hybrid. Yeah, again, mm -hmm. I think early on, you know post-pandemic or during the pandemic we were getting obsessed by labels and definitions um just just bring that to life a bit the fact that they don't you know the virtual and the physical don't have to have to happen at the same time yeah i love that you talk about an obsession with definitions because that's really what's happening right now is that there's no clear definition of what what is what even an event like uh, i've seen pre-recorded videos with a chat like we're having right now we yeah. have people in the chat commenting that and that's an event, right? Who am I to say otherwise? So, sure. you know, the concept of planning events has never been more fluid than it is today. And specifically when it gets to hybrid, that's even more so. This, 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 whenever we talk about hybrid, I always get the argument, yeah, but what is hybrid? Yeah. <laughs> what does, why does it matter? Like, what, what is your customer interested yeah. in? Like, how do they yeah. want to connect? I think we tend as humans to put things into boxes, don't we? So it, so we simplify the understanding of things, but actually sometimes we end up complicating it. Like, you know, again, hybrid, it has to be, um, you know, we think it might have to be the delivery of the same content that's online in the in-person environment. But to do that well requires huge budgets and we've all seen that doesn't always work either. Um, the impact, I want to just talk about in-person and obviously we've gone back to in-person events now. Um, again, you know, there's a little bit of concern and some people are positive and some people are not so positive. What do you think the impact of virtual is on in-person in events? And I know, for example, you recently attended the PCMA event in Vegas. And yeah. You wrote a piece about that. So it'd be interesting to maybe bring that sort of experience to life with some examples of how mm. um, the virtual impacted that event or maybe any other events you've so attended. I, I feel that the biggest impact for clever event planners is like really looking at the data that you collected on virtual and make better decisions for in-person. That like your virtual environment, it's the best opportunity you have to 
uh, really experiment and then apply all those learnings in person as well. And so session duration is probably the biggest one that I've seen so far in terms okay. of how long these sessions are. 30 minutes less, it's preferred to 45 plus. So um, also the speaker selection, it's uh, widely changed, I believe, thanks to um, to virtual events where you know you've been able to get more feedback about uh, speakers, right? Uh, sure. Sort of non-intentional feedback as well. Like if you see a lot of people leaving the room, like yeah. they didn't like filled out a fit feedback form saying I didn't like that speaker three star rating whatever. You know, right? You already know. Yeah. So you can choose much better speakers and more collaboration instead of one directional type of interaction. Yeah. So, so do you think the experience of the last eighteen months has changed? And obviously, it depends how we define what event here. But let's take a you know, an industry event um, or an event for, well, not just the event industry, you know, a, a niche industry. Do you think that's changed then forever, the the way that people consume content in the physical space as well? So they're not going to sit there for an hour keynote, you know, where, where they might have done before? Well, forever, it's a very tough word to use sure. within the event industry because, you know, we also reflect now, right, with yeah. events. Uh, so we're burying the now. So right now, to lock up someone in a dark room for an hour to listen to someone is just like close yeah. kidnapping. So <laughs> you you will feel sick uh, yeah, after a while, true. literally, because of all the reasons we've discussed. Yeah, right? yeah. The exposure, yeah. it's real, right? Yeah. So, yeah, maybe not looking for that. So hopefully that's actually you know a positive that's come out of this. That's it's gonna it's gonna mean that we're thinking about what we've done before that it wasn't necessarily always gonna be right and the right thing to do. You've spoken recently about a shift from hybrid events to hybrid event strategy. Um, what do you mean by that? Mm. And sort of expand on the different touch points. I think you, you meant throughout the year that people can engage with their audience. So a lot of uh, event technology companies, a lot of marketing teams. Uh, within event technology companies at the beginning of the pandemic, as things were easing down and we were approaching summer, they started a big this big deal about hybrid events. For me, just to stay relevant, to be honest, right? Sure. Um, and and therefore there was this obsession in understanding like synchronous hybrid events were the future. As you said, there's a lot of complications that come with that. There's two events that you would need to plan, two audiences. It's not for everybody. So to say that the future is hybrid. There's a big overstatement right here. I feel yeah. there's a lot of potential in hybrid, but a hybrid event strategy is really what event planners, I think, are looking for. Because yeah. it means the flexibility of choosing the right tool that works for your audience, sometimes in person, sometimes yeah. virtual, sometimes synchronous hybrid, if you want to have it, or if you can afford it, or if your audience met, uh, cares about it. So that's you know a plethora of tools that now we have available to engage with our audience. Sure. And as we just discussed, so keeping in contact with your audience throughout you know, the year in, in different touch points, which you would think, well, surely you should have done before anyway. And I'm sure some people were doing before, but maybe just with email and sort of other um, content delivery mechanics. Um, data, which obviously forms quite a big part of this and having sort of an ongoing omni-channel strategy, just to throw another word in there, <laughs> which people still get confused about. You've spoken before about data to drive engagement. Um, we've got all of this data coming through all these different channels. Just talk to us a bit more about that. Yeah, that's the big opportunity of virtual events. 
Um, you know, if you do any type of online engagement, you know we're entering a cookie-less future. We're tracking yeah. whatever happens in marketing activities is going to be more increasingly, increasingly more difficult. As a result, like with virtual events and in general with the use of technology in, event, in, in events, in person included, like we have access to a lot of data to understand our customers better, right? Always for the ethical use of data, right? Sure. But you know, you have to think that customers are ready to give away a lot of data to enter events. Sometimes they pay and give you data um, to attend events, and that's you know probably one of the few tools you have today that creates that kind of demand, that kind of barrier. Uh, that, that uh, we expect. So um, I feel that's the future of virtual events to stay relevant as a tool. We've seen it with webinars. I mean, this is an evolution of webinars to a certain extent. Webinars used to work extremely well. So I feel that now we have more tools to create more engaging experiences uh, that resemble a webinar, content-driven, you know, interaction-driven, you name it. But, sure. you know, and we talk, we spoke about talent before, but again, I think, you know, data, lots of data management, business intelligence companies are now going to be targeting, I think, event companies as, as well in terms of offering the tools to manipulate and use that data to, to you know, put on um, uh, good shows going forward and, and good events for their, their customers. Smart events, again, are coming up with all the different, all the new buzzwords. Um, how do you define a smart event? in the context of today and maybe the future is that again with regards to digital with regards to data and, and the use of data so this is a process that started um years and years ago okay this is not something that started during the pandemic i mean i've been working on the rise of the event technologist as a role within event planning teams since like years now so to to think that this is something that is happening just right now is just like to be um naive uh, yeah. I feel that this is a, you know, the trend is not going against technology. The trend is going towards technology, towards the use of more technology. So we got to be aware of that. And that means a lot of efficiency. That means scalability on the back end. That means that you are able to plan many things in one place. And there's a lot of economies of scale that come with that. Uh, that means understanding what's happening at our events better. That means having tangibility or a wide widely intangible um, sort of uh, market, which is ours, right? Whereas, you know, understanding the true ROI is so difficult. So, um, you know, and then the future, facial recognition to recognize emotions, you know, stuff that we put on pause that were so hot before the pandemic that I can't wait to see coming. Yeah. And also coming in a physical environment. And I just want to turn to trade shows for the next couple of minutes. Um, you know, again, I spoke about at the beginning, I think there was a lot of friction, you know, between how trade show companies would, would embrace um, virtual event tech, not all event tech, because they've been embracing event tech for years through, you know, registration and apps and, you know, uh, all sorts of things, heat maps for where people went at shows. Just just bring that to life. How do you think, you know, the trade show industry and event tech platforms like, like Hopin, um, how would that relationship be? do you think, over the next one to two years? So I feel that, um, you know, it's got to be said that the event, the, the the trade show industry has been massively underserved by most of the event technology out there um, because of the dynamics of exhibitions and trade shows, you know, the human interaction, it's all about that, right? 
So it's very tough to recreate that online. I think we're getting there. Uh, but, you know, it's also like, it's gonna be sad that trade shows purely based on the exchange of like interaction at trade show booths weren't doing like incredibly well. Selling yeah. space was difficult pre-pandemic. It wasn't like, you know, on a tangent of growth. And, and as a result, trade shows were moving towards more content-driven programs, right? You could attend a trade show, you will constantly see almost like trade show booth with no traffic and then these education pods with like overflowing attendees, right? We've all seen it. So that means that people want the content element. And to be honest, like trade shows have the same opportunities that conferences have to augment that content, extend it, replay it, repackage it, sell it, yeah. you know, and connect other people that can be there. So that's the opportunity to me, the biggest one. Yeah, absolutely. And still when international travel remains, um, you know, it's opening up a lot more now, but still people might be, you know, have reservations to travel or feel that they don't need to going forward. Um, so as we said, packaging up, as you mentioned, packaging up that content and also commercializing that package, um, that should be, you know, they should be still good bedfellows with event tech companies, I think trade show companies. Um, the metaverse, I mean, we're steaming through all the all the terminology here in a short period of time. But again, another buzzword come up. Um, I've had an Oculus Rift 2 headset for a couple of years. Um, give us your view and again, how you think that's going to disrupt the event space and maybe a specific reference to certain events. Yeah. It never it never helps anybody in the events industry to dismiss things and say, oh, this is just like buzzwords. This is just that, um, you know, especially when like huge companies are, are putting a lot of effort behind it. You know, if you have kids, you know that Roblox is a thing, you know, and it's addictive and it has its own yeah. economy. Uh, so, you know, it's happening all around us. Right. So said that, like we need to understand, like understand the, the movement, the moment what it means for us, but should we drop everything and like concentrate on a metaverse? Of course not, right? Yeah. So it's just, I feel a matter of understanding what the dynamics are. I think the impact can be interesting. I think that creativity that we're bound to in person can be extended and expanded online and you can do really amazing things. It does work amazingly well for concerts, but we're not in the yeah. business of concerts, right? Yeah. And it feels extremely awkward if you had experiences uh, in venues, in virtual venues, to go and introduce yourself to people. Like they had to introduce like a non-harassment policy because people were like yes. being, a, you know, really yeah. aggressive. So, yeah. you know, there's a long way to go, uh, but we need to be aware that things are changing in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think the lesson from that is, is just, you know, don't dismiss it, embrace it and see, see where it happens. And obviously like anything newish, the use cases will come out of it. Um, LinkedIn have recently announced that they're getting into audio events. Obviously, Clubhouse have been doing it for a couple of years. I'm only mentioning this because, to be honest, I saw someone do an audio event today on LinkedIn for the first time I've seen it. What's your view on that? Because that seems to be completely the other end of the spectrum, right? So, you know, audio, radio has been around for forever, um, but never really been digitalized in that respect, or people haven't embraced it as much. Where do you see Absolutely. that sort of in the, you know, in the mix? Um, you know, I feel it's a feature that it's there. Like it's becoming a standard feature that Twitter and, uh, you know, others are going to adopt. And, uh, you know, yet another tool to engage. Uh, will we see the same wave that Clubhouse had during the pandemic? Yeah. Uh, probably not. 
Um, but oh, I feel it's a great tool and it can have some potential within, um, you know, virtual experiences in general. Sure. So finally, because I know you you've got a you've got hard stop in a couple of minutes, but um, if I'm an event planner and I'm watching this. And I'm sure there will be a lot watching on demand as well as live. Um, what advice have you got for them at this stage? Because we've literally thrown around lots of things in a short period of time. But funnily enough, that's probably what's happening in, in, in companies at the moment. So what's your advice to them if you're going to give them a piece of advice? Yeah, um, my uh, advice for all event planners who um, have a job right now and are working um, and are kind of hustling um, ask for more money first off, because you're like, <laughs> you want real advice? Like you're, you're yeah, stressed yeah. and you're, yeah. there's a lot going on. So, you know, make yourself worth what, yeah. what you are. Now's the time because I feel that people realize and it's not for everybody to kind of ditch, uh, years and years of experience and learn a new tool altogether. And you've done it, you know, we've all done it in the past two years, amazingly well incredible results we kept the industry going so you know go to your boss and have a serious conversation about it or you know start looking around yeah and what's next for hopin just briefly anything that was going to come on stream um listen that we know about? um you know hopin is, is uh is an incredible um story i feel that you know we're just gonna see and wait what's next um i'm very excited to see the future of this company and um yeah hey, stay tuned Fantastic. Listen, we'll let you go. Thank you, Julia Solaris, um, VP of Marketing Strategy Events at Hopin. Thank you for your time. And um, we wish you the very best of luck. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. So that was Julia Solaris um, of Hopin. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. We covered many topics in a short period of time. Um, it will be on demand for those um, that are listening. Thank you so much for those that are watching and listening live. Enjoy the rest of your day and your evening, and you can catch up with all my shows at danassor.com. One second.